Hello and welcome to the People Powered Green Left Podcast, where we give a voice to the 99% and not the big corporations. If you think this project is important, please consider becoming a supporter today. Now, on to our latest episode. Um, before I speak this afternoon, I want to acknowledge that I'm a settler on unceded land in Mianjin, and I want to acknowledge elders past and present, Turrbal, Jagara and Yarraga people of this area where I've settled. Um, and my actual place of residence is on Nulumpul land that runs down to Minjirabar, where Kwandamuka people are, otherwise known as Strabroke Island. I want to acknowledge um, elders here today with us um, and what you bring to this conversation is the most important. And I want to thank Lizzie and Mervyn, thanks so much um, for what you have shared so far and so much more that can be shared after this. And you're right, we have to move forward, we have to make changes. Um, I also want to acknowledge all the people around this country and around the world that are languishing in our prison cells and police watch our cells and the so-called refugee detention centre cells and any and the mental health institutions where people are locked up and they have no freedom. They can't, they don't have the freedom to move, to walk out and be out here in the free world like us at the moment. And that they're languishing in the most harshest conditions that we could possibly imagine. And as Lizzie said before, the pandemic of racism is way, way worse and will continue for decades, has continued since the invasion of this country, will continue after my death if we don't actually do something about it. Um, and I think what I find offensive is people who are put up in hotel rooms, um, who are usually white privileged people that have traveled from overseas and come back into this country and get their accommodation paid for them and then equate that to being locked up like someone in prison. It's nothing like being locked up in prison when you're actually in a hotel room out here in the free world. Um, so thanks for inviting me um, to have this important conversation um, with you all this afternoon. Um, I've just got some notes because I, I will probably go down different rabbit holes if I just free speak. Like I'm not great like Lizzie and Mervyn who can just talk about it. I actually need to focus my mind a bit um, around what we're talking about. So. Um, first, let, firstly, let me say that abolition of the prison industrial complex is our destination and decarceration is our journey. So to, the abolishment of the prison industrial complex is not something I believe I'm going to see in my life. But right now, at this point of time, is a historical moment for everyone in the world after the, like what Lizzie described, the horrific death, the knee on the neck, of Mr. Floyd and watched for over eight minutes police killing him and have killed many before that and have killed thousands and thousands of Aboriginal people, First Nations people also here in this country. There is now movement on the street. There is movement about the conversation of um, the ab to abolish the prison industrial complex and also decarceration strategies. And it's really good. And as I said, Decarceration is the journey, abolition the destiny. And some people now around the world are joining that journey with us and some of us have been on that journey for a very long time. And so I wanna welcome the newcomers because it's really important that we have these conversations and continue to have the conversation to imagine a world without prisons and police and punishment in the models that we know 
of now that are actually killing First Nations people, black and brown people. <clears throat> you know, we demand, I demand, and I hope you all demand that we must defund police and abolish prisons. As like I said, it's now a global movement and that's what the call is everywhere from every country. We here in Australia must demand the divestment from police and punishment and prisons. This must include every other entity that uses carceral mechanisms in our communities. By this, I include corporations and non-government organisations. Those organisations that are funded with taxpayers' money and then use carceral mechanisms to actually control people that they are funded to actually support. They must be defunded. That money must be removed. We cannot keep continuing in a world where we use carceral responses and think that we are gonna get something different than what we have today. And that is the killings of First Nations people, black and brown people by police, prisons and other institutions. And as Lizzie said so eloquently for, the removal, the kidnapping of children, Aboriginal children is a huge issue. You know, up until recently, we as a society have not really questioned whether policing, punishment and prisons should exist. It's only now since this movement that we've got some momentum and we've got a new generation of young people who are thinking about the world and wanting a different world and the world that we have lived in within the racial capitalist society. You know, um, prisons have become part of our subconscious landscape in our mind that when we think of some certain sort of behavior that we don't like, we think of calling cops. If we think about even Lizzie's little son, 10 year old in a shop, stealing lollies, which he wasn't, but say if he was, the response is call police, lock him up, criminalize him, put him in prison, go through the court system, go through the prison industrial complex system. We haven't been able to think of anything else different because it's become part of our subconscious landscape in our mind that we call cops and engage courts and prisons to respond to any type of behaviour that we want to question. And this must end. We can't establish new boards, so-called independent boards, and rely on the same structures. We can't call on abolition for abolition and then ask that a cop gets arrested and be dealt with in the same system that we know doesn't deal justice to anybody. We actually got to come up with other models of public safety and security. It's time. And we know that there's groups in our community now that think of those things and, and use them as strategies. We know that Aboriginal women will not go to the police for help around domestic and family violence because they'll be arrested. We know that black trans women won't call the police to deal with a violent interaction with someone, whether it's interpersonal or with the state, because they will get violated and maybe killed. We know that the same in non-binary communities. We, you know, and these communities have other strategies to deal with the violence in their lives. And we must actually start talking to those communities because they're actually doing it. Women who are in prison today, we don't rely on screws to deal with the issues in our lives. We know that they will violate us even further. So we actually take it in our own hands and deal with the conflict, deal with the violence internally in the prison system. And to say that 
we need prisons because of certain people that are violent. I don't believe that we put violent people into violent prisons because the violence will continue. We actually need to think of ways to deal with people in a way that's respectful and dignified to end violence, but also if someone is violating someone else, causing harm, how do we address that? And it can't be with police punishment and prisons. We've got to stop thinking within our subconscious landscape about punishment models and we've got to start thinking outside the bars. Another important, you know, I'll go back, sorry. So my sister in the US, Angela Davis says, it's as if prisons were an inevitable part or fact of life, like death and birth. And we must unpack that. We can't rely on prisons to be part of our lives like life and death. They do not give us life. They actually kill us. And we know more so for Aboriginal people, Torres Strait Islander people, black and brown people around the world. So an important question today is about how to prevent the net widening. How do we prevent the further criminalization and imprisonment of First Nations people and other disadvantaged peoples in our community here in Australia and around the world? But I think Australia now, we're having conversations about defunding police and the abolition of prisons, which is great because there has only been a very small number of us that actually talk about this. And it's usually through our international connections. And it is an internationalist issue. It's not just an issue now that we're talking about in this country, but it's great. And we need to keep this conversation going. We can't bolster up the expansion of the prison industrial complex. And I think um, Sam introduced me as someone who supports justice reinvestment. I actually don't support justice reinvestment because I don't see any justice in the first instance. And the reinvestment that's usually made in those type of models are back to white academia, universities, or researchers, or the, and the money is not given back to elders, to communities, to distribute how they want. Money saved in the justice reinvestment models that we have that are funded by government is removed from the community and spent elsewhere. And if we look at New South Wales, a new 1700 cell prison run by Serco has just opened, which we've been fighting against for, for years and years to stop. And it's only now on the agenda because they're opening the doors. That horse has bolted. So that's why we need, um, we must imagine and creatively explore new ideas of justice, new models of community safety and security, which I said, we can no, no longer rely on the racial capitalist punishment models those institutions, those institutions that racial capitalism calls justice, when we know that it is not justice, there is no justice. You know, people call it the criminal justice system. I call it the criminal punishment system. That is the reality. There is no justice. So we've got to take justice back how we want to define it and develop those models ourselves. We must continue to expose racial capitalism and its punishment institutions. And this conversation today is doing that. Lizzie Mervyn has um, told us her horrendous stories that have happened to their loved ones, family members, and people in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. You know, the most horrific experiences, which as a white woman, I'm absolutely ashamed to be in this country where we are still treating Aboriginal people, people that have lived here for 
60,000 years of survival and how we as white settlers, as white supremacists have dismantled culture, removed land. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a white person asking for land, I'm asking for land rights, not native title, because that's bastardized again by the white legal punishment model. We must declare now a moratorium on building any more prison cells in whatever form that is. No more, no more. Not even if the reformists are saying, well, the children are cramped together or the prison is overcrowded. Well, release them. And what we've actually seen during this whole coronavirus pandemic here, um, I've seen here in Queensland that, for example, the Watch House, right? Prison, we're getting the women out, the numbers are coming down. More lawyers are getting to their feet acting because they haven't got anything else to do. So they're actually acting in the best interest of women and girls and men. Um, I can't talk more so about men because, you know, we walk alongside the women and the girls. But what we're seeing is the numbers come down during coronavirus because the watch houses didn't want people coming into the watch houses under arrest in case they had the virus. They would give them, not arrest them, tell them to go away or give them a notice to appear, which here is a bit of paper that says you've got to appear in court on this date. So they had the watch houses cleaned out. It's only now that we're seeing the restrictions move to allow more freedom that watch houses have become active again. And so before, um, Sisters Inside staff that were going into the biggest watch house in this state um, were with about 30 women or more were held and processed in a week where it became to four or five in a week. So we knew that the cops can actually criminalise and do things differently. <clears throat> but now, because the watch house is open again, we're actually seeing the numbers go up. So the time has come to actually push back on cops. You know, we must... My sister from over in Canada, Pam Palmata, you know, she said beautifully about the time has come as an Indigenous activist there in Canada. And I want to take her words because they're actually so fundamentally honest here. What we can do is we must stop our taxpayers' dollars, yours and mine, to continue the oppression of First Nations people. The time has come to defund the police, take the resources from them. The time has come to move funding from those organisations, whether they're non-government non organisations or corporations or companies, because we see a lot of NGOs now becoming companies, that funding must be removed from them if they use carceral mechanisms to control the people that they are funded to support. So whether it's in housing, you know, if there's an issue in housing, for example, and they actually want someone to move out, they don't talk to the person to actually work out what the issues are. They call the goddamn cops and they're criminalised. The same. They've taken the baby from mum. Mum's upset. They call the cops to come with the so-called social workers to actually kidnap that black baby and for it to never be returned home to its mother, its family and its community. So we see the ongoing genocide of First Nations people in this country. And this is what Pam calls on for Canadian Aboriginal people there. And I believe that it, this is what we must call here, that we've got to stop using our taxpayers' money to fund the oppression of the First Nations people in this country. We must decarcerate, you know, um, 
and we must have a plan, a national plan around decarceration and how we're going to do it together. We must, we need to excarcerate to stop criminalising people. We've got to look at these laws and repeal laws to stop actually criminalising people. And I just want to um, finish because, you know, time's running out and, you know, Ruthie Wilson Gilmore, who's an activist, academic, prison abolitionist in the US, love Ruthie, my sister, and she just says three words twice. And I want to say them today because I really believe this absolutely. Life is precious. Life is precious. I'll leave it at that. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. To continue producing shows like this, we need your support. Consider becoming a supporter for $5 a month, sharing this show on social media, and submitting your own stories. You can do all this at our website, greenleft.org.au.